first, I'd like to introduce Alice Brandley. And she's an eye researcher at the University of Melbourne. She graduated in 2016 from the University of Sydney with a neuroscience PhD. She researches diseases of the eye and is fascinated by the nose. Her favorite smells are gasoline, musk sticks, and hot cheese toasties. Alice, can I welcome you to the stage? I'm here to talk about two scientists. They are a pair of talented biologists named Linda Buck and Richard Axel. And they were awarded the Nobel Prize in 2004 for discovering how our nose detects smell. So right now, you are smelling, and I could ask you to smell the person next to you, uh, but you, you already have. So <laughs> instead, let's take a moment to become aware of what odors are floating in this room. So humans can discern up to 10,000 or more odours. So you might have detected the smell of beer, hot chips, maybe even sweat, whether that be you or the person next to you. So how do these holes in your head, otherwise known as nostrils, detect odours so that we can tell the difference between, say, a glass of cold beer and a glass of hot sweat? So. <laughs> So your sense of smell, or to be a little bit more scientific, olfaction, is essential for survival. For example, a baby will recognise its mother's smell before any other sense, and a mother can select out her newborn based on its scent alone. Or, in the case of mating, you can become repelled or attracted to a person based on their odour. This urge to be attractive to our fellow humans may explain the six billion a year perfume industry that prevents people leaving their private odours to chance. Uh, so olfaction is also essential to our taste. Uh, the combination of volatile chemicals detected by the nerves in our nose and tongue give us flavour. If you lose your sense of smell as snosmia, you will lose the ability to recognise up to 95% of flavours. This means by flavour alone, taste and smell, you won't be able to tell the difference between strawberry milk and chocolate milk. And Ben of Ben and Jerry's ice cream fame is a famous asnomic, and it may explain why their ice creams are very rich in tactile characteristics such as cookie dough and nuts to kind of make up for the lack of his own sense, I guess. Our smell, unlike other senses, say hearing and vision, actually improve with age, and it's sharpest between the ages of 30 and 60. So the old adage, like a fine wine, it gets better with age, might just be our smell perception getting better with age. Anyway, so although the human sense of smell is feeble compared to that of many animals, it's still very acute. But I should point out what smell isn't. You won't detect pheromones. So pheromones are chemicals released to influence the behaviour of animals. So this could be like an alarm signal, um, get away from here, it's dangerous, or a food trail signal, like um, where'd I put my muesli bar? Although we can be fooled by many sensory cues, um, like optical illusions and fake news, um, pheromones, for example, wearing sex panther, won't lure... <laughs> A fellow human, sorry if anyone's wasted their money. Okay, so 
Despite the importance of our sense of smell, it was actually neglected by researchers and um, we knew very little about our sense of smell up until about the mid-80s. So I should move on now to the early 90s, which is where Linda and Buck and Richard Axel are active. So this is a time of hammer pants, this is new kids on the block, and it's when Bill Crosby was still a respectable celebrity. Uh, so. Um, Richard Axel and Linda Buck worked at Columbia University, which is located up on the Upper West Side of New York City. Richard's a native New Yorker. He was actually fascinated by beat poetry and studied literature in the 60s. Um, and at grad school, he switched to genetics and then medical school. But Richard Axel was a terrible doctor. Uh, in his training, his worst moment was suturing a surgeon's finger to a patient. So, wisely, he chose to pursue molecular biology research at Columbia University, he then did a postdoctoral position at National Institute of Health, and then he returned back to Columbia to start a lab and, start and study cancer genetics. So, although many writers have been fascinated by the evocative nature of smell, for example, a whiff of burning incense or baby powder can instantly conjure up scenes and emotions of the past, these haunting qualities of smell memory isn't what drove the literary-minded Richard Axel to study smell. It was rather circumstantial. The lab next door was run by Eric Kandel, who's a guru of neuroscience, also a fellow Nobel Prize winner, who was fascinated by giant sea slugs and their molecular me memory. The slugs had a simple form of cellular memory where the presence of a single gene could cause uh, stereotypical behaviour to be executed. For example, you could turn on a gene and boom, the snail would go ahead and lay eggs. So Eric Kandel provided this link between a molecular biologist like Richard Axel and, and kind of an introduction to neuroscience. So Axel asked the question, in the case of smell, what is happening at a molecular level? And how could he explain smell perception? Or what type of receptors, what way of sensing could allow for the recognition of thousands of different odors? So in 1988, Linda Buck joins the Axel Smell Lab. Linda has a PhD in immunology, is from Seattle in the Pacific Northwest, which we all know is home of Twin Peaks and craft beer. And I'm assuming she's a fan of both. But Buck is a self-declared molecular neuroscientist and was interested in the molecular nature of odour receptors, which at that time remained elusive. So Linda studied the genes of odour receptors. This is the genes that could classify what type of receptors they were, whether it's one type and how they function. So Linda used her tools as a molecular biologist to ask the question, is it just one big interrelated gene family that is responsible for detecting odours? Um, so this family is a small modification that could, for example, detect odours as varied as blood or, or a bunch of bananas. So in the late 1980s, it was known that smell neurons could produce an electrical signal to communicate odour information. These smell neurons use a receptor to sense chemicals from the air called a G protein, otherwise termed G golf or golf. Normally a topic of discussion I avoid, but I am going to make golf interesting for you folks. Uh, these golf receptors were only found in the nose and important for Linda's study 
uh, I guess the genetic code of these golf receptors was known. But this was just one type of receptor in the nose, and how could it possibly detect thousands of odours? So Linda ran a deceptively simple experiment. Simple almost 30 years later, but at the time was very cutting edge, which is the humble polymerase chain reaction, or the PCR. So for the life scientists in the room, it's a bog standard tool. For the non-scientists, it's a, a technique that amplifies and probes small amounts of DNA, making it possible to take a single piece of DNA and replicate it into millions of copies. It can be used for DNA profiling, i.e. determining paternity, the who is your daddy test, or in the lab to understand and modify DNA from anything from yeast to a monkey. So Linda was able to isolate the nasal skin of mice where the odors receptors were known to be located and ran a series of these PCR experiments. So could you imagine how small that tissue is? The nasal skin in humans is the size of a sultana and just microscopic in a mouse. So she was able to amplify this tissue or the, the DNA from this tissue and probe the genes and it was revealed that yes, these odorant receptors had come from the Golf family. These results were actually very exciting in 1991. It was a landmark paper and they were found at least 100 to 200 members of the Golf family. In humans, there's now been a thousand of these genes identified and they are the only genes responsible for your ability to detect smells and, and your odorant receptors. So this, this gene family is the largest in the mammalian genome and it represents one to 4% of all of your genes. So the announcement of this giant family of odour receptors was greeted with fanfare and surprise. For few had expected the smell system genes to be so elaborate, even if it was from one family. The visual system, for just contrast, can make out many thousands of different hues, but it only relies on three different receptors. One tuned to red, another to blue, a third to green. Smell is the conceptual opposite of vision, where the input receptors are high and the diversity com and diverse compared to vision. So Buck and Axel were able to solve how the receptors in the nose worked, but also contributed to our understanding of smell perception by studying the way smell information was organized in the brains of rats and mice. So the information from the golf receptors was focused elegantly onto structured smell maps, which are found within your olfactory bowl, which is an extension of your brain. These are a pair of blueberry-sized structures that serve to relay information between the nose and brain. So most scents are composed of multiple types of odorants. Take a rose, for example. It's a scent that's made up of 200 different individual odorants. Each odorant typically activates several olfactory receptors, these golf receptors. Though the identity of the different olfactory receptor activate an odorant pattern on the smell map unique to that odour, which the brain perceives as smell of beer, garlic, a bonfire and so on. This is the basis for our ability to recognise and distinguish the tens of thousands of different odours. In other words, there is probably no lemon-specific or rose-specific receptor, it's just the nose. 
Instead, the smell of a lemon is represented by the activation of a characteristically and presumably small series of receptors. And although similar odours may probably stimulate overlapping groups of receptors, the patterns will vary enough to allow a person to distinguish among the lemon smell of a real lemon, the fake lemon scent of a gumdrop, and the version found in, say, lemon shampoo. With a thousand receptors to mix and match, the possible combinations for detecting smells are just stupendously large. So, in the end, uh, Buck and Axel were awarded the Nobel Prize and their research into golf has led to the discovery of other families of chemoceptor receptors. For example, um, they've been able to identify the receptors responsible for pheromones in rats and mice and also in fish. And so Buck started her own lab in 1991 and Richard Axel stayed at Columbia. He ended up marrying the neurobiologist researcher which was located at the lab next door which means he probably liked the smell of it. <laughs> That's all. <laughs>